0: It is a great privilege and a pleasure to introduce to you to my my good friend and my brother in Christ, Waring Porter, Waring and Lauren and their three kids came here to Memphis. They're from here originally, but they came back to Memphis uh, to lead All Saints Mid Church in Midtown, which was a uh, plant of Second, is now its own congregation. Uh, we got Waring. You? you got you got some some of your. Uh, some of your cronies here, raise your hand if you're an All Saints person who got up this morning. Oh, right. Man, a whole table of them. It's great. Glad you guys are here. Um, let me just say this. In our denomination, each year, we give an award. Uh, it's called the Bart Hess Church Vitality Award, and it's named after Bart Hess, who was one of the founders of this denomination um, and, uh, and a great leader. And a great church planner and church grower, and last year All Saints received the Bart Hess Church Vitality Award in recognition of uh, of the uh, how the Lord is using their congregation in the midtown to reach that community. So, Waring, we're glad you're here. Come on up, buddy, and share.
1: Well, good morning. I've uh, got to start off and just tell you that. Um, kind of got a love-hate relationship with this time of day you know it's it's early I'm not used to uh getting up and speaking this early in the morning really I've kind of got a love-hate relationship with this time of year too Uh, with the weather outside I'm a runner and um you know I I love the summertime but I don't really like the weather that we're having right now you know if if you're a runner you know what I mean this morning I get up I go out to run, sun hadn't even come up yet, I walk out the front door and just hits me in the face. You know, the heat, the humidity, it's still dark, it's not supposed to be like that. But you know, one one thing that I laugh about with, with some of the guys I run with is whether it is hot and humid outside, whether it's raining, whether it's freezing, whether I'm tired, whatever the weather is, once I go run and I've finished, I've never regretted a run. You know, I'm always glad that I've done it, and, that, and that's probably the same case as this morning. Uh, I'm excited to be with you guys, even though it was uh, hard to get up this morning and uh, get moving, but it, it, it really is an honor, it's a privilege for me to uh, be able to worship with you this morning and to uh, share with you how we've seen God working in our city at All Saints, and um, before I, I really get started, I want to acknowledge, too, also that that the fact that God has used um, many of you and many of the other folks here at Second Press as an instrument of encouragement and grace uh, for our congregation at All Saints and and for myself. Many of you um, have been praying for us consistently over the last few years, and uh, you've been a source of of great personal encouragement, not just for me, but for my wife, and also for the leaders and, and congregation down at All Saints, and so I thank you. And uh, we, along with my staff, along with our elders and some of the other leaders, I've got to tell you, before I get into how we've seen God working, tell you that we take absolutely no credit for what um, has happened, what is happening at All Saints in Midtown. It's been absolutely incredible to see what God has done. It has been a journey over the last few years that has tested and grown our faith uh, it's a journey that has been frustrating, but also full of joy. It has been very disappointing at times, but exciting at others. Uh, but throughout it all, God has been faithful through it all and we give him all the glory. So it's a joy for me to be here with you this morning. And I want to take a moment and, and, really just tell you about our church, tell you about our ministry, uh, share some of my passions and, and tell you what God is doing. Our mission at All Saints, it states that All Saints exist uh, to communicate the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the city of Memphis through, through three ways: through the authenticity of changed lives, through deep relationships, and through committed service to those in need. Our goal, much like it is yours here at Second Press, our goal is to bring the truth of God's word to our community and see the power of God's word, bring unity to that community. I want to kind of open up here and just give you a very brief history of All Saints, because I know some of you, if you've been here for a while, you've probably heard that name uh, for a number of years. All Saints, as Mike said, we're an urban church plant of Second Press, and uh, actually the first Sunday service of All Saints was launched, launched in February of 2001, almost 10 years ago. However, the original church planner was called away the next year in 2002, and um, the core group that God had assembled, they really forged ahead with no permanent leader. Um, Although Sandy and and the pastoral staff here at Second provided a lot of leadership, they forged ahead for a couple years without a, a pastor, a church planner, until God called me here in May of 2004. And then a little over a year later, kind of September of 2005, uh, basically, we started over. We relaunched the mission of All Saints with our focus, kind of a renewed focus being on fellowship and mercy and establishing relationships in the community in which God has placed us. And then another that, that same fall, in the fall of 2007, um, or two years later in the fall of 2007, we moved our Sunday worship location. Uh, or God moved it, into one of the poor sections of Midtown Memphis, the area that some of you longtime Memphians would know as Crosstown, kind of the central point of that area being Poplar and Cleveland, kind of that intersection. And um, since October of 2007, we have been richly blessed by using um, a building there uh, called the J. Holcomb Urban Center of Hope. It's also known as the Young Life Urban Building. Uh, at the corner of Poplar and Bellevue. Uh, That's where we do our worship services. And and this building, this location, has not only met our worship needs, uh, but more importantly, God has used that location, uh, that move, to really confirm for us the location, the parish, the neighborhood uh, in which he wants us to be living the mission that he's given to us. Now, before this move, over to that current location, um, you know, I'll, I'll say straight up that the core group at that time of All Saints was basically young, middle class, white, uh, but knew that God had given us a vision for a church to serve the needy and to reflect the community in which He placed us. And the hope to reflect the diversity that is in midtown Memphis within the church body has not been a simple process at all uh, in such a divided city. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes faith, and it takes what, what I will call and what the Bible calls some wandering in the desert. Um, it was really not until our move uh, to the corner of Poplar and Bellevue a couple of years ago that the face of all saints began to change. And this new location that we're in, it has provided uh, numerous opportunities for ministry. Because the immediate streets around us are streets that are full of drugs. Crack is the drug of choice in that area. Uh, It has destroyed many lives. Those streets are full of crime. They're full of prostitution. They're full of people who are hungry. They are full of people that just have great needs in their life. Now, let me stop right there and just kind of talk a little bit about planning a church and and why we are where we are. If you are a church planner, or if you are a church that wants to go plant a church somewhere, you do a lot of important research before you begin. You search out mainly and you pray through where is the gospel most needed. That's important to know. But you also look for good demographics. You do a demographic study, and you you look for things such as positive trends in population growth. You look for stability in the community, meaning that home ownership is high. You look for a high number of families in your immediate area. You need families. You've got to check out the income levels because you've got to make sure that they're solid. And you look for an active community that, that has, you know, great offerings in the arts and, and different kinds of restaurants an active community life. <clears throat> well, let me tell you, that is not where God has called us. <laughs> that is not where we are. According to normal criteria, our demographic um, study is not screaming successful church plant by any means. But to be honest, when we get down to it, at All Saints, we are really more interested in loving our city than we are in being a successful church plant. And for some, it's hard to accept this kind of paradigm, but our success is not determined By the amount of change that takes place in our community. Our success is not marked by how many people we have in our worship service on a Sunday. Our success is not marked by how big our budget grows. But our success will be marked by our continued presence among the poor and the needy. And the long-term extension of God's grace to ravaged places and people. And with this intention, we stand as Jesus' representatives. Um, And the outcome of our action, it may be more evangelistic than socially redeeming. I mean, when it's all said and done, the neighborhood, it may not change. It may stay that way for years and years. But at All Saints... Jesus Christ will be honored as we demonstrate consistently God's compassion, God's sense of justice, and God's love to a hurting community. So let me tell you a little bit about our neighborhood. Let me tell you what our demographic study looks like. Um, the neighborhood within a half-mile radius of our worship location, it's a community in transition. Okay, The population basically has decreased 20% in the last 20 years. Although the minority population has increased significantly, about 65% of the population is African-American, and single mothers head 65% of the households in our neighborhood. 38% of the adults that are over 25 do not have a high school diploma. 62% 62% of the households in our neighborhood earn less than $25,000 a year. 62% and 47% of those earn less than 15,000 a year. At the same time, within a mile radius of our worship location, we have our state's medical school, UT Medical School. We have homes. We have educated, stable, middle-class white families. There's a rich diversity in our neighborhood and we love it. And you may think that in Memphis that racial diversity is the biggest challenge we face, but that's not the case. Uh, it, It is a challenge for sure. But I really believe and I've found that that most people, at least in, in our area, in Midtown, are ready to move past that. You know, I will say that the biggest challenge for us has been the socioeconomic diversity in our neighborhood. And among many things, among many things, there is a deep lack of trust there. There's a deep lack of trust that comes from both ends of this socioeconomic spectrum. The poor don't trust the rich, and the rich don't trust the poor. I've got a friend who has uh, pastored a church up in inner city Detroit for about 20 years, uh, Randy Brown. He's at a church called Military Avenue Church. It's in our denomination. Randy and I are both part of our denomination's urban ministry network. But a few years ago, Randy wrote a book called Justice Matters. And um, it's a little-known book, but it is a great book that is biblically and theologically strong as it discusses our ministry to the poor and needy in our communities. Now, I've told Randy this, but he wrote something in that book that just had a huge impact on me and my philosophy of ministry. It is uh, something that has been a huge force that God has used to guide the philosophy of ministry that God has u- implementing at All Saints. And he said this. He said, as middle and upper class Christians, we think that the poor in our communities need us. They need our service. They need our help. They need our assistance. They need our resources. However, he said, the biblical and theological reality is that we need the poor. Now think about that for a a moment. We think the poor need us when in reality we need the poor. Now over the next few minutes... I want to explain that statement, and I want to uh, kind of communicate to you how it is reflected in our ministry at All Saints, um, and what I want to do is I want to start with the early church, and I mean the real early church, uh, back as it's described in, in Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and 4. It is our model. It's where we want to be. It is not where we are by any means But it's where God's calling us. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Acts chapter 2. And then probably on the next page, Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read just a few verses from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45. And a little of 47. And then in chapter 4 too. So from Acts chapter 2, this is describing the early church as it was established. This is God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And then down at the end of 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then in the next chapter, chapter 4, it goes on to describe in verse 32 the early church. It said, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. <clears throat> it's our model. It's not where we are. It's where we want to be. Now, we have a church at All Saints that has a multicultural component. And when I say multicultural, I'm not defining that um, by race, but I'm defining it by socioeconomic class. And multicultural churches, they possess the greatest potential for expressing God's grace in communities of need. Because the congregations possess, um, consists of people who possess the means to express God's grace both on a spiritual and material level. You know, since there's Christians of means, worship with Christians of need. There's a greater opportunity that exists for God to touch our hearts and care for those needs. And we see this in the early church as it's described in those passages that we just read. Now, ultimately, unity and community is what all saints is all about. Unity and community among God's people. The beginning of the church that we just read about, it is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And we have just done a great job of screwing it up. And we've done this with our own sin, We've done this with our own selfishness. We've done this with our own fears. Everyone shared everything and had everything in common. Almost half the words in that sentence are everything. And I'll tell you, there was a time when those words terrified me. I was scared of what it meant. I was scared of what I would lose. And I'll admit they still affect me that way sometimes. But I long for them to be manifested among God's people in God's kingdom. The unity and the community established in the church. It's a beautiful picture. Now notice that we were reading in Acts and it's in the New Testament. They're describing the early church. And the early church, just as it is today, it consisted of Jew and Gentile together. There were different races in the church. There were different cultures in the church. There were different classes in the church. And in this respect, even though we are in the 21st century, it seems we might want to be stuck in the Old Testament church where it was just one race of people, just one class of people, to just be around those who are like us. Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and much grace was upon them all. Now, what could one heart and mind do for the city of Memphis? (laughs) I think of two words, powerful and beautiful. I think about the white, middle-class, well-educated couple in our church, parents of one young boy. They're adopting a minority child from somewhere in our city. And if you knew them as I do, you would know that it's not because they can't get pregnant. You would know that it's not because it's kind of the cool thing to do. And you would definitely know that it's not because they think they're better than anybody else. But it's solely because God has changed them and changed their hearts through the ministry of all saints. We need the poor. Now, I, I asked their permission, but I'm going to kind of share their story a little bit. This is kind of a condensed version of their story as they told it on their blog. So I'm going to kind of read some of it to you just to explain this change that God has worked in their lives. So it, it involves um, a number of things happening in our church. Their story goes like this, as they told it. I met a young mother that lives near our church, and Mary, and that's not her real name, but Mary was only 22, but she had a 9-year-old and a 1-year-old baby. Her 9-year-old daughter had been adopted when she was only an infant, but the 1-year-old boy was living with Mary in a small one-room apartment. This young mother was without family. Her mother and siblings were killed in a car wreck years before, and Mary's a crack addict and she often prostitutes herself in order to feed her addiction. Her infant son was sometimes seen sipping on a bottle of orange juice, but otherwise there was often little food in the home for either of them. They share a dirty mattress on the filthy apartment floor, and most of our homes in comparison appear as mansions, and our income appear as enormous wealth. Well, one Sunday when she was in church after a weekend of partying and getting high, she was disoriented, jittery, and in a bad emotional state. During the, summer, during the sermon, I heard the young son cry in the nursery. She never got up to retrieve her distraught baby. And the cries grew louder and louder. And 10 or 15 minutes later, I got out of my seat and I walked to the nursery. And there at the door was her young son with tears pouring down his cheeks. I walked in, picked him up. He instantly quieted, then fell asleep. And I rocked him, cradling his small body, and I began to weep as I thought of the reality of that innocent child's life. The reality was that he would return home with his young mother, surrounded by her addictions and brokenness, and the likelihood of his situation changing was very slim. Mary came into the nursery once the service was over, took her baby from my arms, strapped him in a stroller, and walked a half mile back to her apartment. Three days later, I felt impressed upon my heart the need to visit Mary and her son on my way to the weekly prayer walk at All Saints. I arrived to a scene of complete chaos. Mary was being strapped to the back of an ambul- into the back of an ambulance, and her neighbors crowded around, weeping and yelling in confusion. Mary had overdosed just an hour before our arrival. She was alive but unable to speak and completely disoriented. Her sweet baby had been in the apartment when Mary decided that drugs were not enough to end her life and she turned on all her gas burners in an attempt to kill herself and her baby. Now, for now, the baby is safe with neighbors and his father and I was able to meet the baby two weeks after his mother tried ending their lives. He was smiling and playing, it was an amazing sight to see. The mother's now out of rehab but there's been no change in her addiction or her behavior. And in fact, she was at church this past Sunday. This mother goes on to write, this is a hard story to be a witness to. It's heartbreaking to love someone and want the best for them, but to have them only intent on self-destructing. And many of you know that same story. But here's the change for this couple. As a Christian What is to be our response, she wrote, to the brokenness and suffering of those in our community? The genuine love of Christ does not allow us to be witnesses to pain, only to be unchanged as a result. The true love of Christ calls for action, for grace, for healing. In the moment I held Mary's sweet baby in my arms, God did something miraculous in my heart. He expanded the boundaries of my heart and faith and showed me that it is possible to impact the story and landscape of a broken community. And for me and my family, God was confirming our convictions to adopt a child from that very community. Jesus said that true, pure religion is to care for orphans. And if I say I believe this, and if I truly believe God's word is unchanging, then I must apply this truth to my actions and my faith. The love of Christ demands that we be changed and set apart. And if that doesn't happen, then it's not love. Now, this couple came to All Saints, I don't know, three, four years ago. They came to All Saints because they liked the church. They came to All Saints because they agreed with our mission and vision. They came to All Saints because they wanted to serve. But they wound up being radically changed by the work of God in their hearts. And there's change going on on both ends. One scriptural principle that we've seen clearly at All Saints is that God uses wandering in the wilderness to bring His people into vital unity with Him. God put the Israelites in the desert in order for them to be more dependent upon Him and ultimately they became more unified as they grew more dependent upon God. I mean, it took 40 years, but it still grew. And in our own context, we've all seen that the desperation of a place is often used by God to show us His love and His power. And you could say that all saints has been in the wilderness. Yet we've seen God's love and power displayed faithfully. As Mike said last year at our Denomination's General Assembly, we were presented with the Bart Hess Award recognizing our vitality and work of revitalization. And upon receiving that award, many came up to me and asked me, what's been the hardest part the last five years? I don't know what they wanted to hear, whether it was some war stories or, or whatever. But as I thought about it, I said this, and I'll still say it. The hardest part for me has been trusting the Gospel every day. Trusting in God's call on my life. Trusting in God's call for our church. Trusting in God's provision. Trusting in God's faithfulness. Because it's so easy to get depressed. It's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to get discouraged in the desert. It's lonely. I mean, just look at the Israelites' story as they struggled and wandered for 40 years. I've got to constantly remind myself of God's faithfulness as it has been shown throughout redemptive history. Not just in my own life. And trust the Gospel in a new way every single day. God has placed us in a neighborhood where there are many in the wilderness, where many, li- many are living lives of desperation. <clears throat> and our strategy for ministry finds its foundation in our worship on Sunday mornings being extended into our lives throughout the week, and I talk about this a lot at All Saints. <clears throat> our ceremonial substantial worship. And how both need to be a part of our lives. Ceremonial being what we do on Sunday mornings in in our building, in the sanctuary, and substantial worship being what we do during the week to serve and fulfill the mission that God has given to us. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about those in just a few minutes. But as I said earlier, the ethos of All Saints is fellowship and mercy, that's our personality a church where emphasis on relationships and community is combined with outreach to the physical, material, emotional, and spiritual needs in our community. We want to see a diverse group of individuals from our community worshiping and serving together as instruments of God's grace for his kingdom. We are there to bring the healing power of the gospel to our neighborhood. Now, in 2007, not only did did God place All Saints within a community in great need, He also provided the means for a new staff position at All Saints. In the fall of 2007, I was able to hire uh, Sally Powell um, as our Director of Mercy Ministry. And this is a significant part of our ministry. In fact, I might even say it is who we are. I tease Sally a lot and I tell her she's the face of all saints. Although she's just a part-time employee. But she's much more than that. Thanks, man. But it's really true. She is the face of all saints because our mercy ministry is who we are. You see... Our mercy ministry and our involvement in that leads to relationships being formed, which then leads to unity being created in a diverse environment. A couple of years ago, we hosted our first urban ministry conference, and I asked my good friend Kevin Brown to be our speaker. Kevin is a part of our denomination; he's one of our the EPC's home missionaries. He is the director of the Trinity Christian Community down in New Orleans. And um, Kevin basically has been involved with inner city urban ministry all his life. And uh, one huge takeaway for our congregation that weekend when Kevin came to speak, Kevin told them that one of the most important things that we can do in our ministry at All Saints is to be in the neighborhood. Just be in the neighborhood. And we believe that God has called us to love our neighbors. And the only way to really do that is to be an integral part of the neighborhood. If you've got your Bible open, open up into the back to the uh, first epistle of John. First John chapter three, just a couple of verses there. First John chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen. God's word there says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And then here's the kicker. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. I'm sure they're important. But with action and in truth. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth, being an integral part of the neighborhood. And because of this, we think that it's very important to lead our congregation to be out in the neighborhood, serving the needs of those around us, loving them. And our director of Mercy Ministry has facilitated programs and partnered with various organizations in Midtown just producing an array of mercy ministry opportunities that we call Serve the City events. And these events, they include both relief and development activities that allow church members to get out in our neighborhood and to engage with the people of the community and begin to build lasting friendships that are based solely on Christ's love and service. Whether it's sharing a cup of coffee, with a homeless person or giving out meals to those who are hungry on Monday nights or sitting down and eating a meal together or going out on Wednesdays on our weekly prayer walk around the neighborhood. We are striving to build relationships with a diverse mix of people who make up our neighborhood. And we normally have about 6 to 12 of these events every month that involves us being out in our neighborhood. It's very important to be seen, as Kevin said. It's important to be seen, and it's a great way to get to know people. Well, it was at one of these events that we met Pat. And um, that is her name, and and she's okay with me telling you about it. I would love for you to meet her sometime. Pat is now an active member at All Saints, and um, I consider a dear friend of mine and my family's. And she describes her encounter with Sally that day as an act of God's divine mercy. Pat was standing in line because she was hungry, getting a meal that we give out on Monday nights. And in a short time, Pat and Sally developed a friendship. And Pat, as she began to attend All Saints, said she'd never, that she began to experience something that she'd never experienced before in a church. At All Saints, she found true relationships and love in the church body. She said, I've never been anywhere like this before, and I've been to many churches, all kinds of churches. When I hurt, the people this church hurt with me. The prayers of my All Saints family have carried me through difficult times, and I can count on these people to lift me up. She goes on to describe what she found at All Saints. She said, I felt that I was always missing something, and I always tried to fill that missing spot with drugs or men or food, but I found that what I was truly missing was Jesus. You see, through forming relationships with the body of Christ at All Saints, she found that Christianity is not about religion, it's about experiencing Jesus through a personal relationship. Pat has finally found hope and fulfillment in Christ. I'll tell you, she has become one of the most active members of of the mercy ministry at All Saints because, as she explains, I've been a recipient of others' grace. Now she's giving back what's been given to her. And that perfectly illustrates the goal for our ministry. I would love to have that sentence repeated hundreds of times over. The goal of our mercy ministry is to be defined by the relationships that are made rather, by the, rather than by the programs. All Saints is not out in the community to simply serve, but to engage and to cultivate relationships, to invest. One part of our ministry that I'm really excited about, although we've not really gotten it cranked up yet, concerns a vacant lot that's at the corner of Jefferson and Claybrook just about a block west of Cleveland. Through God's provision, we own this little piece of property. I mean, it's a tiny little lot. used to have a house on it. But it's located at a significant intersection in our neighborhood. On one corner of that intersection is this little corner market where you can go there and probably buy just about any drug you want. On the other corner over there, drive by there about 8 or 9 in the evening, you'll see a few prostitutes hanging out. On the other corner is Crossroads, which is a well-known gay bar in the midtown Memphis. And then on the other corner is this little piece of property owned by All Saints Church. We want this to be a tool of God's grace there. We've got big plans for it to be a picture of the redemptive power of God's love. I mean, ultimately, we want to transform this lot into a gathering spot for that community, into a small, like, park where we can cook out, where we can hang out and get to know folks and and put a very visual picture of God's healing power. And we've not not been able to do that yet, so we just lack the, 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 the resources to be able to do it but we're working on it. So This brings me back to the concepts that I mentioned earlier of ceremonial and substantial worship because this vacant light will be a great instrument for us to be involved in substantial worship. And I want to discuss and define these a little bit deeper for you. The church, the church, is above all a worshiping community. So much so that Christians, we, we tightly associate worship with our buildings, our sanctuaries. We associate worship with the particular type of music that we use or the songs that we sing or the type of liturgy that we follow. Your worship, when you break it down, it literally means to bow down and kiss the hand. It represents a concrete action that says of its object, you are worthy Your ideas are superior. And your way of living is superior. That's what worship is. And at All Saints, I I teach that worship is divided into these two categories, ceremonial and substantial. Worship does contain ceremony. Absolutely. But it also should extend to substantial action in our lives. Jesus clearly appeals for this kind of worship when he quotes Hosea 6.6 6 in the Gospel of Matthew, I think in chapter 7. Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go learn what that means, he says. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The ceremonies of worship were to lead to substantial action. And this is unlearned by many of us today, including myself. Many of us, we are very content with our worship being limited to 60 to 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. We're cool with that. But I'm here this morning to tell you that there is no greater worship than to offer in faith what God has entrusted to us for the needs of others. Just as Jesus Christ offered Himself for us. The act of giving, including our time, our energies, and our love to a hurting community far outweighs the giving of gold and silver. And I have found that, that many of us are able to participate in the ceremony of worship, but we fail to worship God through substantial action. And this is a paradigm among God's people that we're trying to change at All Saints. Scripture tells us that everything that we do for the urban poor, in effect, we do for Jesus. My friend Randy Brown up in Detroit He says that truly believing this is essential for long-term ministry in the city. Because the poor will not always thank you. The poor will not always like you. The poor will not always change. But the truth is, we don't work for thanks. We are not working for admiration. And we're not even working to change the face of our city. We work because we were bought at a price and because God's grace compels us to be His hands and voice to one of the darkest corners of His hurting world. We work to honor the name of Jesus and to bring His values on earth. Acts of worship should spread far beyond the walls of our church buildings, far beyond our songs and our prayers. We should worship God openly in the neediest communities, sharing his love and justice. We read in John 3:17 that we don't worship in words alone, but with actions. God wants us to worship in a way that reveals his character to the world, and his character is deeply compassionate towards the weakest in our communities so here it is here it is the fact that God defines caring for the poor as an integral part of our worship also contains an interesting consequence we think the poor need us but we need the poor In order to worship God. The broken places in our world need worshipers to come and offer substantial worship. And worshipers of God need to come to these environments to learn how to worship God substantially. The poor may need us, but we also need them. Because God is looking for substantial worship that moves far beyond ceremony. And that's why we are where we are. Doing what we're doing. When we worship God by serving the poor, our understanding of God will broaden. Too often, our understanding of God is severely limited by our circumstances. But we can widen our circumstances. And when we do, our view of God and His greatness will grow as well. It's our chance to be God's hand and God's voice. It's our chance to meet Christ as the outcast, as the poor, as the hungry, as the needy. And through this true worship, we'll know more about God than we've ever known. And despite the, the tension In history in Memphis, we see God putting together a body of Christ that crosses racial and socioeconomic divides. With all the struggles it brings, it is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture. On any given Sunday at All Saints, you will see black and white, rich and poor, gay and straight, doctors and addicts, teachers and transvestites, drug dealers and lawyers, all fellowshipping with each other and hearing the truth of God's Word being communicated. Kind of the theme verse for our church is 1 Peter 4.10 and it says each one should use whatever gift he's been given to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And this verse really embodies the mission of All Saints Church. That vision began years ago of seeing Christ at work within and, and seeing Christ at work within Midtown Memphis has become a reality for us. Every Sunday morning, the work of the Holy Spirit is evident in the congregation that gathers to praise and worship Him together. And for an hour and a half, people from all different walks of life unite as the body of Christ, ministering to one another and praising God for the precious gift that He offers us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, let me close by sharing with you a few things that... where God is leading us in the future. Some of you may know about this, but probably one of the most exciting things is um, uh, God has called uh, a ministry partner for me. David Stenberg, who uh, is here this morning and grew up here at All Saints, I mean grew up here at Second, is, is about to become our assistant pastor. He's going to be our minister of urban mission and discipleship and basically oversee everything that I've just talked about to you our urban ministry to the church now because of our situation we can't pay david but he's not working for free god's providing for him he's been working this summer to raise his own support to uh, work at all saints for a couple of years and uh, as of yesterday he's raised about 92 percent of his support needs about eighty-five hundred more dollars to start working at all saints and so we're very very excited about having David come and his wife, Jenny, and just uh, bring their passion for urban ministry to all saints. Another thing that we want to uh, see happen very soon is uh, we're trying to form a 501c3 nonprofit organization as our mercy ministry arm to kind of break that off. And, and um, you know, we're looking at what niche needs to be filled in our neighborhood to be able to really serve that and to be able to partner with other Christians and even non-Christians and use it as a, as a tool to connect with others and serve. Um, another big thing that we want to see happen, we just need some, some of the resources is to develop our vacant lot there that I described to you for substantial worship. And then the last thing that we're praying about is we're looking for a location, a permanent building. We're committed to our neighborhood in the crosstown area, but um, you know, we've experienced a few Sundays the last month or so where our building's been packed out. We're, we're getting a little close. The, it's, Young Life Building's great, but we're looking for something else right now and, and, and where God may lead us uh, for the future. But ultimately, we give God all the glory. We're excited about what he is going to do in the future. And so I um, thank you for your attention this morning, for allowing me to be here to speak, to listening to me, and I would invite you all, you know, any anytime, just show up at All Saints for worship. We worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at the corner of Poplar and Bellevue. Would love to uh, have you come worship with us one day. And I, along with my wife, Lauren, along with my leaders and the other folks from All Saints, we covet your prayers for us every day. So thank you.